What happens if you promote an employee to another position and it just doesn't work out? Or what about that new hire who isn't fitting where you thought they would? This week, we want to talk about what you should do in a tight job market to make sure you're keeping the best people in the right position. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And in a tight job market, you want to keep your people. And more importantly, when you do find that perfect fit, you want to try to do everything in your power to help them succeed. But sometimes things just don't work out the way we planned. And what do you do? How do you pivot? How do you move and save that relationship and maybe even benefit your practice? This week, we want to talk about all of the Troubles and travails and pitfalls and opportunities of keeping good people, but maybe you have to shift them around. But before we start shifting stuff around, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, you know, the more we talk about how tight the job market is and how hard it is to find veterinary professionals, the more I keep being reminded of, are we overlooking some of the people in our own practices? And more importantly, you know, do we have opportunities to promote up or expand responsibilities and roles? And, you know, sometimes that doesn't always work out, but I, I think sometimes we forget that, hey, you've got some great talented folks already. How do you optimize them? Yeah, I mean, obviously, utilize your veterinary technicians. That's right, how. right. That's right. That's right. And that's that's part of the of the solution. But you know, sometimes you need other roles, right? So maybe you need this person to become more of a leader or a manager. And then you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. And, and I'll share with you a, a story that uh, that was shared with me recently by a veterinary owner. And and Becky, it, it basically boiled down to a longtime veterinary technician who had been with the clinic for several years was promoted to be the practice manager. Okay, now this is a common scenario pathway that many of us are familiar with. Well, after a couple of months, this technician turned manager goes to the owner and says, hey, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not doing a good job. You're probably not pleased with what I'm doing. And I want to go back to my old job. And and this owner was perplexed saying, hey, I'm going to have to get rid of this person. So Becky, just on the outset of that kind of scenario, which I'm sure you've encountered before, I mean, what kind of advice do you have? Well, I guess I'm the the part that gets me is the letting them go part. And I think that's kind right. of what a, what brought us to our conversation today is it's like there's such a shortage. And so I guess my question and, and my first question is, did you hire somebody to replace that person's initial role? And my guess is probably not. Right. So right. I, would, I would imagine that there is still room for them. Um, but in this day and age where it costs so much money, takes so much time and is so difficult to fill these positions... I think just cutting ties that quickly or being so uncreative is super problematic and potentially detrimental. Yeah. And I think, too, this owner is frustrated and, and maybe worried that, you know, can you ever go back home again? You know, as, as the famous saying goes, like, you know, what happens if you promote someone? It doesn't work out. Can you demote them or this in this case, you know, a voluntary demotion? Does it work out? And, and Becky, I got to say, personally, my own experiences have been it has worked out, you know, especially early in the process. I mean, this isn't like a year has passed. This is a couple of months. And what I think is so important about these types of situations, Becky, is it's volunteered, right? I mean, the person is saying, I don't feel equipped. And so I think there's a lot of reasons why this one went went sour. But Becky, I mean, don't have you heard of folks, you know, kind of going back to their old position, a quote unquote demotion and, and succeeding? 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because they were good in that position previously and they were so good that they wanted to probably try their hand in management. We've talked about this before in general, these, you know, when we put folks in management positions, they're not educated in management or leadership. And so they go into these positions with high hopes and aspirations, but so frequently what happens in, in what I see is clinic managers and um, office managers that are credential technicians are generally pulled to the floor and they're not given time to do their management responsibilities. They end up doing them while they're at home because they're just trying to keep up with their duties. And so I could see where somebody would say, this just isn't worth it. I'm not, I'm not given the tools that I need to be successful. And I was successful prior to this. So like the idea that you liked her enough to promote her, that she was a good enough employee that you wanted to promote her into management, and now you're just going to get rid of her because it's not working out in this management role, to me, is crazy. Um, and then two, it's also the, the thing that I have questions of is obviously there's so m- much conversation to happen between it's not working out and you're fired, you know, right, in right. terms of what do you need? What were your unmet needs that I could provide for you? So Obviously, there's probably some some serious management issue on the ownership side, but it 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 makes me really sad to think that because let me tell you, if this person um, did a really good job and and was a good employee, they're going to take that right somewhere else, and then they're they won't make that mistake again, right? They'll say, I, I I tried management, I didn't love it, and then they'll just be successful where they are and happy. So. I think this person is really kind of making a rash decision and saying, I have to get rid of them. Um, and I, you know, I really, I, I think that this is an opportunity, right? So like, yeah, like you yeah. said in the beginning, this is an opportunity for us to look and say, what do we do to fix this? Right. And again, you know, viewfinders, this scenario cuts both ways. And, and I hear this often thrown up as an excuse to promote from within. Now, we've already sort of outlined briefly, like, you know, the, the risk of just promoting someone who's doing great in one position to another without giving them the support and resources and training they need to succeed in that new position. So uh, again, that's a whole nother conversation, a whole nother podcast. In fact, we've we've shared that many times here on the podcast in the past. But Becky, you know, so, so I think that you should not let this type of sentiment or even experiences prohibit you from considering promoting up. Now, now I've had this succeed and fail in multiple ways in my practices over the years. And I'll tell you the way viewfinders, I've seen it not work out most is when I was promoting either a vet tech or an assistant or even a receptionist to like a mentorship or a leadership role within their team. So for example, we had this really elaborate staff training program and you had to sign off on certain, you know, task before you could do them uh, autonomously or, or without, you know, um, supervision. And so we would promote different staff mentors. And Becky, I got to tell you, sometimes it didn't work out. So we would, somebody who's been there like two years, three years, and suddenly, oh, hey, we'd like for you to, to assume some mentorship roles, right? And and some of that did come with pay pay raises and so forth, but some didn't, you know. And, and what we would find is that some people were naturally gifted educators. They were really good at supporting folks and, and teaching and training in a, in a kind, you know, kind of fashion, and other people just weren't. And so you realize quickly that you had to have a mechanism in place to allow those people to, to resume their old job duties, right? And it has to be safe. And, and I'll tell you, if I were this person who is deliberating, uh, well, I, I, since I promoted, I can't demote them, that would be a, a blow to the team and, and her ego would be shattered and all this stuff. I would say, 
you need to have a conversation. You need to make it safe. And, and I'll tell you, so many times in my experience, Becky, just having the conversation and, hey, you know, how's, how's this working out for you? Most of the time when people are in those situations where they're floundering, they know it. <laughs> and they're all too eager to say, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, this, I'm, this is, I don't think I'm doing a good job. And so you, you realized quickly that you didn't abandon them. You just resumed their old job duties. Hopefully that made a little bit of sense to you. Well, I, I get, I maybe, maybe it's semantics. I'm a little bit hung up on the word promotion here. You know what I sure, mean? Because sure. I'm like, I really want to ask, well, did it come with a pay raise? Did it come with additional benefits? And, you know, was it a true promotion or did you have an open spot that you moved somebody into that you gave them more responsibility and you probably didn't maybe what, maybe a two quarters, right? you know, what did like, so when we think about demotion, you know, demotion to me in the context that we're using it is a negative thing in saying you were not able to fulfill the responsibilities that you met um, and that you signed up for. And therefore, I'm pushing you back down the ladder, you know, and I don't see I know management is, in theory, a higher up position in the clinic. But in so many cases, it's not. It's just another right. abused Good role point. of somebody who is just working their butts off for very little guidance and very little value. And so my guess is that this person was like, forget this. I could go back to my other job where I got more hands-on time with the animals. I was able to mentor more in the back. Maybe that's the other thing. Maybe they never get to be on the floor anymore. And they were a credential technician and they didn't realize how much they were going to miss being on the floor. Right, right. You know, there's, there's more to this. And... And so I'm like, when the idea of a promotion versus demotion is a potential space to cause an emotional response that's unnecessary when we just say this is a, it's a, it's a position change. Because to me, um, a promotion is going to be sort of along my same line of chain of command. You know, it, like I, you don't get promoted to veterinarian, right? You right, earn that right. degree. That's a good point. <laughs> you right, know what right. I mean? And so same thing, like if I go to school and I become an office manager, like I, that's not a promotion to me, but it's, it's a change in position. And so I, I think it's very simple to just say, so-and-so did a great job and gave it their best try. And then, and we all learned management is not where they want to be and thrive. And we know that we were getting the best from so-and-so and they were getting the best from us in this position. And so we're moving back to that. And this is partially why I think that all changes, and we've talked about this so many times, and I talk about it in all my lectures, where anytime you, you make any kind of change, there has to be a period of regrouping. There yes, has to be a yes. check-in period, a guarantee that... So even with a quote-unquote promotion, I don't care if this person's worked for you for 20 years, you give them a 90-day and and then you as your as their leadership are should be coming back and saying how are we doing what tools do you need to be discuss, be successful what are your unmet needs you know go through those questions and make sure that they're set for success i guarantee you this wasn't an overnight situation and i i guarantee you too this technician is an angst over it right because sure. they want to be successful and the idea that they're going to get fired for being honest and for saying this isn't, you're not getting the best of me is so counterproductive because it takes somebody very brave to say, I was not successful. I wanted to be and I wasn't. And I want to go back to where I am successful. She easily could have just handed in her two weeks notice and said, right, I, right. this management isn't working out. I'm going to go somewhere else. 
Instead, she's got allegiance to the clinic. That is ear. That's the, the value behind that is so high that the idea that you're just like going to toss this person out after they were good enough to promote to run your clinic is blowing. It truly is right. blowing my mind. Yeah, it really is. And, and again, viewfinders, we'd love to hear if you've had similar experiences or, or how you dealt with it, or if you've encountered, you know, problems like this in your practice. And Becky, you're right. I mean, obviously the semantics around promotion, demotion, you know, elevation, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of ways to interpret. And, and for today's, you know, discussion, Becky, I think we're just saying a different role in the, you know, increased sure. responsibilities. And hopefully it came with a pay raise. <laughs> it should have, but for sure. The other thing too, Becky, is, you know, um, it's normal to doubt yourself when you're put in a new position. And and even this doesn't mean going from a tech or a vet to a, a manager, but just to be put in a different position, you should, it's normal to have doubts, right? I mean, you should, you should be questioning, you know, am I doing the right thing? Can I do this better? What can I do better? All those kind of things. And, and like Becky said, you really need to give yourself time, like to say within a month or two, oh my gosh, this is, I'm terrible at this. I think that's doing a disservice to it, right? I mean, that's that this, you know, you have to go through a period of, of, of learning and, and as I always say, the suck, you know, uh, in any endeavor, right? I mean, if you're going to, to become a runner, you know, which hopefully Becky is going to get back into her running shape soon enough <laughs> after her accident. But, you know, Becky, you don't expect to, to go out and win your first race. In fact, you don't even need to run a race for quite some time. You need to suck. You need to doubt yourself and question yourself. And, and then over time, you gain that confidence. So, you know, if you're out there today and you're it's the new year and you're kind of uh, trying to assume new responsibilities or roles in your clinic, you know, expect that you're going to have some um, some issues for sure. Expect that you're going to uh, encounter challenges. Now, Becky, I, I want to go back though to this thing of um, should we be you know promoting in the first place? Because again, it's a it's a top a tight job market. You might have a hard time finding a new team leader or a manager or whatever or a shift manager. I mean, what do you, what kind of advice do you have for those people that are needing to self-promote or within the clinic promote? I think it is really good to promote from within partially because it it gives people inspiration and hope and and a track, right? They say like, "Oh, I would really like to try to do that one day or learn to do right. that or be in that position or whatever." So I think that is, I think it is very good. I just think that it's important to not do the easiest thing, right? It's not like Schrodinger's hiring theory. It's just right. like, it, it, it. you kind of have to weigh all your options, I think. And if you have someone who's showing potential, you know, what I see a lot of times in clinics, we've talked about this, is it's the person who's there the longest. And then they kind of are inherently the the manager. And then they kind of get this like honorary leadership title and then they kind of just move into it. Um, and that can be, I think, you know, a little bit of a detriment. It's not always hiring or putting in those positions for the right reasons. I think that there are probably more, I think like within our clinics, we have folks who could and would do a great job in any one of these positions or roles that we want to promote people to. The thing that I think is underserved and isn't done in a way that helps these folks to be successful is clearly defining what that looks like. Exactly. And we talked about this with our expectations right. podcast, where it which had so much good feedback because because of that exactly because folks end up set up for failure because you know I and and I myself have had a veterinarian tell me I don't know how you should do it I just need you to do it wow. and that's. Uh, 
you know, it's, it, it, and then guess what, by the way, it, I, I didn't do it. Right. <laughs> right, right. Because you don't know what, you he don't know what to how do. He right. didn't want me to do it. Uh, it turned out right. and um, that wasn't communicated as well either. So, so then I, you know, you end up in these positions where everything goes bad and, and feelings get hurt or, you know, bad right. things happen. And, and it's because of this poor expectations. So I think more than, than, one, do we promote from within and is, is, are we clear on what the expectations is? Is it a role anybody wants? You know what yeah, I mean? Have right. you made it a position that is valuable? And then the other thing is, is I think that we make the mistake of not giving everybody the opportunity. Um, I think just so often we see somebody in the clinic who demonstrates leadership and that can be a lot of things and it can even be bullying. It can even be toxicity Good because point they often come off as leadership or strong leadership personalities. And then what's happening behind the scenes is queen bee behavior and, right. and toxicity and such. And so I think that there has to be an opportunity to let that person who, who doesn't have the um, unauthorized ability to step up and be a leader. And they're waiting for somebody to say, Hey, I need you to take leadership over this to demonstrate that they have that ability. And they might actually be your best negotiator. They might be your best people person. They might be your most organized or your best trainer. Just doesn't mean that they're they're just not this huge personality that sort of tromps all over the place. And, the, and, and, and then I'm saying that as the huge personality that tromps all over the place. Right? Like, like To right. be clear, understand I'm talking about me. I'm a natural <laughs> leader. I come in. I'm like, let's do it this way. Right. I'm, I, you know what I mean? And, and then people see that and they're like, oh, that's a, that's a leader. Well, it, it, there have been times that my leadership was incredibly toxic because I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know how to do it. Um, and so what gets perceived as a leader, what gets perceived as that person that you need as a manager is really somebody who's just confident in the role that they're in. They know what to do. They're confident doing it. And then you put them in another role and they, they don't have the skills to necessarily perform or they have a different philosophy or mindset. So again, if the foundation's not there, then you know, you can't put anybody in that role. But I think so often you kind of just take the loudest one or that squeaky yeah, wheel that wins true. the role. That is so true. It's um... <laughs> and you've got to be careful there because um I think there's a lot of hidden talent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, again, viewfinders, this is a complex issue. At first it sounds like super easy and just, oh, of course you do this or that. But it's not. It's nuanced. It's delicate, and you gotta you gotta respond sensitively because you can again you can lose a great person. Uh, Becky, one other little conundrum that I've I've faced, uh, and I'll tell you how I did it after I hear your thoughts first. Is I've had people who want to be promoted, they want additional responsibilities, but I'm not sure they're ready for it. You get where I'm going with that. How do you how do you politely let somebody know that hey, not quite yet, you need more experience, more training, more whatever? Any thoughts on that? Transparently, you tell them just like that. You just say, "I would love to help you on that journey. I would love to help guide you that direction or support you in that goal." Yeah. Here's what we need. Here's what you got to do. And and be clear, it shouldn't be a moving goalpost. And it should be for everybody. You should be working to improve everyone in your clinic. And you should be helping to meet everyone's goals. You know, when you do those quote-unquote yearly reviews, I mean, as much of that should be, what are you trying to achieve and how can we help? Then what am I trying to use you for and how can you do better at it? Um, so I think that we should be, there should always be some kind of plan for all of your employees into helping them improve and grow. 
And then, you know, don't overpromise because if you're never going to give them a management position, then don't pretend you're going to. You can let them know that, you know, I don't see that for us, but I'm happy to help you get management education. I'm happy to help support that in CE goals or whatever that is. You know, you've talked in the past about how you kind of always aspired for your staff to move on, whether right, they go right, into, exactly. you know, industry or research or whatever it is, yeah. is, is have I given you the tools to grow? So I think that transparency is incredibly important and honesty is, is really important and, you know, following through. But, you know, if somebody just doesn't, ha- it, it, it's like, I think about how people told Meryl Streep she was ugly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I kind of want to be like, who are you to decide that they don't have it? Maybe they don't have it for you, but they have it for somebody. So keep in mind, if you don't see it in that person, they'll find someone that does. Right. And it may be a better fit, right? I mean, again, beauty is in the eye of the beholder in that example, which I love. And and Meryl Streep, for the record, is beautiful and her daughters are gorgeous. And yeah, so whoever said that, boo on you. (laughs) But but I've done the same thing, (laughs) Becky, you know, where I've had people and, you know, they just weren't ready or equipped. And I would say the same thing. I'm so thankful that you're interested in taking on more responsibilities here. You know, obviously we want to get you trained up and and coached up and, and give you the support you need. So here's what the pathway looks like. I will tell you, viewfinders, Quite frankly, nine out of 10 times, that path gets abandoned, right? Not for me, but just because they realize, oh, I've got to do this or that or whatever. And sometimes it's more work and, and or sometimes the work is, itself isn't what they thought it would be, right? I mean, it's kind of like being a manager or a leader of a team. You know, you think you you want it. You think you know what it is, but till you're actually in the hot seat, it, you know, you can't relate. Um, I mean, which is kind of my number one rule of, you know, only take advice from people more successful than you in that area. And they need to have done it. They can't just read about it, you know? Uh, and so Becky, I, I, I think that you can definitely coach people up. You can train them up, but at the end of the day, they have to be self-directed and self-led. You can only put them on the path. You can't push them down it. And I've tried that and, and it is fraught with failure and frustration. So, you know, for me, it's going to be, here's, here's the path. Here are the resources. I'm here to guide and support you. I am those proverbial guardrails, but I can't push you down the road, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you shouldn't have to. And I think if you're finding that you are, yeah. it's a it's a management opportunity. It's like, a, hey, I know you came to me and said you were really interested in this. And I'm I feel like we're not getting anywhere on it. Or I feel like I'm having to kind of having to motivate you to complete this path. And is this still where you want to be? I think check ins are so valuable. Yeah. And I, I don't I, they're just so underutilized, you know, so if you put somebody on this path again, in general, we should be checking in with our employees more than we are and just seeing how things are going and what they need and how they're doing. I think when you start asking those questions and spending true valuable time with them and showing a true interest, you learn a lot. Yeah. Well, Becky, as we wrap up today's conversation, uh, because I know you're still recovering and I, 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 again, I'm just so appreciative of you making time to, to talk with us and the viewfinders and share your experiences. But, you know, Becky, I I guess the last thing I want to do is, okay, Tight job market, everybody agrees with that. Hard to find people, especially leaders, managers, you know, those people that can take your team to the next level. We are going to have to develop those people within our teams, I think. So, Becky, let me ask you this. You find that person, you coach them up, you give them the resources, they go on the path, and they move up. 
how do you then fill that vacancy? Like, how do you do that? Because I think you mentioned at the very outset where a lot of vet techs promoted to managers fail is because they're then called back to the floor and they can't do the new job. And so suddenly they're frustrated and failing. So how do you feel that fill that vacancy that's left behind? Any advice or tips on that? Such a, that's such a good point. So um, <laughs> when this airs yesterday, um, Virginia Corrigan, the our, our fearless leader at Appalachian State, has fortunately, unfortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, depending on what side you're looking at it, um, has given her resignation and is going to be heading over to the University of Tennessee um, to start a vet tech program over there. And, and we're so proud of her and we're so happy for her, even though we're sad for ourselves. Right, for sure. My point for that is, though, is the transition. Right. And then there is no transition period. There is no wind up or wind down. And so Jennifer Serling's going to be stepping in as the interim program director for us. And um, this has been months in the process. There's, you know, Virginia has taken her time very diligently and carefully um, to make sure that this is a transition that's well communicated, handled delicately, but also supporting and empowering everybody on the team and as part of App State. Right. And I think that's the thing. So when we, whether you say, okay, this is so and so works in reception, but she wants to start doing assistant work. And so now we're going to let her go in the back and do assistant work. All of a sudden, she's doing assistant work all the time. All of a sudden, she's getting pulled in the back for assistant work all the time. And then all of a sudden, she's just an assistant now. Not right. just an assistant. Don't come at me, but you know what I mean? Now, all of a sudden, yeah, that's yeah. the only responsibility she's doing. And now there's no receptionist helping. So now the receptionists up there are pissed off because they've got, you know, Sally's in the back now and she's completely abandoned us up here. And the role of receptionist was never filled. So often the less skilled roles are going to be the ones that we promote from, right? So our kennel techs or our receptionists get interested in doing the hands-on work and they start working as assistants. Our assistants start going to school and working as technicians. Our technicians go to school and start working as DVMs. Like that's the natural, like that's right, what we right. see as a progression within the clinic, right? And so unfortunately, sometimes those other positions are the harder ones to fill. Yeah, you yeah. know, it may take you a long time to find a veterinarian to come work for you, but it may take a long time to find a good person to work in a kennel, to work in reception. I mean, those are such, yeah. you've got to be great with dogs to work in the kennel. You got to be good with cleaning, right? You've got to be willing to work your butt off. Reception, you have to be willing to deal with clients. You have to understand, like, those are such difficult roles that people underestimate. So then I think, oh, well, I'll just hire another receptionist. Oh, customer service rep. I'll just hire another kennel tech. Not and really so just fast. kind of yeah. offering that. And yeah. So to me, it's kind of like we have to be really careful when we, we do those things. And I'm monologuing at you, but it's it's <laughs> it's totally about the transition and making sure that even if there is a hole somewhere that needs to be filled, it doesn't become just another hole somewhere else. Because I think this leads to some of the toxicity and some of the resentment within practices, especially when non-skill roles, meaning those that don't require an education or a degree of some kind, kind of start lapping over each other. I think we start to see where people get kind of mad, you know, and, and, yeah, and it can be problematic. Yeah. So for me, even if you're promoting your technician to a manager, whatever you're doing, even if you're promoting a veterinarian to an associate, there has to be some kind of transition period if responsibilities are going to change, has to be really clear, well communicated, and and it's gonna not happen until this time period. There has to be like a 
this is when you stop working in the back and this is when you start working in the office. And, and we don't make it so that they have to delegate their time back and forth. Yeah, and I'm really glad you mentioned that. Guys, you've got to be strategic and thoughtful about these promotions within your team. Because like Becky said, if you don't, what will happen, and again, I'm going to repeat it for the third time this podcast, you're going to create a vacancy and that person that you promoted to that other responsibility or role is going to be drawn back, sucked back by that vacuum pressure and pulled into the old responsibility. Meanwhile, they're doing dual duties and everybody loses, right? Everybody gets frustrated. And it probably leads to the scenario that we open the podcast with. So viewfinders, I'd really like to hear how you handle promoting within, training, coaching, supporting, making sure that you don't leave your team shorthanded if you do move some people around. I'd love to hear it because there's a lot, there's infinite number of ways to solve this, but you know what? We need to solve it because it's a real issue. Becky, how can they share some of their ideas and experiences with us? You guys can share with us over on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder or shoot us an email at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. That's right, Becky. Keep getting better. Keep getting stronger. I know this is a a tough part of the recovery, but, you know, so many people are thinking about you and we're going to miss you at VMX. So so take care. Yeah, thank you. All right, guys. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.